0: Good morning, we welcome you to the services of the Boonville congregation, it's a beautiful day, it's a great day when we can assemble together to worship our Lord, we're so thankful that you are here this morning. Uh, If you're visiting with us, you're our honored guest. If you're joining us on social media, we welcome you as well. There was a group of about 15 of us who went to Henderson yesterday for the senior adult rally there and heard a wonderful spiritual message from Brother Dan Winkler. It's just uh, good to have fellowship together and get fed spiritual food, which I'm sure will happen here today as well. As many of you know, uh, we've had a uh, tremendous disaster in Mississippi with all of these uh, storm impacts, especially in Rolling Fork area and in uh, Amory area. As always, anytime there's a disaster like that, this congregation reaches out to help, and I know that we'll multiply our money by Uh, the work that we'll do through Church of Christ Disaster Relief. They do a fantastic work of bringing in resources and working through local congregations. We'll talk about the specifics of what we'll do in tomorrow's elders meeting. I know many of you may have or some of you may have contacts in that area and if you've got additional ideas on how this congregation can be helpful in the midst of this disaster, please share that information with one of the elders before our meeting in the morning. Um, We are certainly excited to see Brother Joey Pittman in our audience today. He had eye surgery this week and we are going to keep him in in our prayers as he goes through the recovery process. We welcome you to our worship service this morning as we focus this year on reaching forward. Would you bow with me as we begin our worship? Our loving Heavenly Father, we honor you, we praise you. We know that you're all powerful. We're so thankful that you listen to our prayers. And Father, we pray for those who were impacted by the recent storm and And we pray that you would be with them as they go through this period of recovery. We pray that you would give us good judgment on how to help and help us to be your servants. We're so thankful, Father, for Brother Joey Pittman's operation. We pray for its success. We pray for his restored eyesight. We're thankful, Father, that we can be here this morning to worship thee, We pray that all that we do would be pleasing in your sight and that you would accept our worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: First song this morning will be, I Will Call Upon the Lord. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy. song will be you are my all- in all <clears throat> you are my strength when I am beneath. you are my this morning will be my only my only hope is you
2: father we're so thankful for another opportunity we have to come and to worship you in song and praise father we thank you for the many wonderful blessings in life that you bestow upon each and every one of us father we know we have many of your number here that are recovering from surgeries or facing upcoming surgeries father we ask to comfort them as only you can also father we have many across our state who have suffered loss over the weekends the storms we had father folks who lost family members we ask that you comfort them as well and give them the strength and determination to build back even better and stronger father we're thankful for your church here at boonville and its many members But we ask that you continue to be with the elders and the deacons of your church here that they may continue to lead us in a way that be pleasing unto thee Father, we are so thankful for Brother Ken. We ask that you be with him this morning as he spreads your word to us that we may listen attentively and apply it to our everyday lives. Father, also be with each one of us as we go throughout our daily lives and help us to live and work in a Christian manner that will be pleasing unto thee. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who died on the cross that we might have forgiveness of our sins and an opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's through Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Song of invitation after the lesson will be There's a Fountain Free. And the song before our lesson this morning will be Our God, He is Alive. If you would go ahead and please stand.
3: There is
0: 14. I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your family, your father's family, will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this.
4: Good morning, everyone. Janice Taylor wanted me to share this with you. Her mother in law, Theresia Taylor. I believe she was, wasn't she 92 years old? Uh, She has passed away, passed away on Friday at 9 p.m. The funeral is going to be on Monday. There will be visitation from 11 until 2. And then the funeral will be at 2 at McMillan Funeral Home. 92 years of age, a long life. And uh, one consolation that Janice mentioned was that she lived a long life faithful to the Lord. She had been suffering and now she suffers no more. And isn't it worthy of celebration to pass from a life of suffering and depletion, to be freed from the shackles the burden of a physical existence and to be in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. That is what we all aspire to. And in some ways that death was anticipated. It was expected. And then we hear about the tragedy that has struck our state. I believe 24 some people are now registered as having died in tornadoes. Unexpected. All of those folks, no doubt, had plans for today. And that is no more. I have no way of knowing what was the eternal condition of all those folks, but I do know that it behooves all of us to be ready. Yes? We know not what day or hour not even to the second, not even beyond the trailing off of my voice when the Lord's going to return. But he is going to return. Let's be sure that we are ready for that day. We're going to pray and we'll pray for comfort for this family. I appreciate prayers that have already been offered in regard to those that are suffering loss from the tornadoes. And we're also really spending this time in prayer that God will bless us now as we enter into a period of worship wherein we're meditating upon God's word. And we are praying that God will, well, he'll plant that word in us, but that he will Be active in that word. Something will come of it. Whether that's immediately or over time, God's word is not ever wasted. So as you hear it, I pray it will be impactful to you today. So let's set our minds, our hearts, our spirits to prayer, asking God for all these things. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessedness of another day. Thank you for the privilege it really is to see another day of life. I pray that we're making good use of it already. Certainly as we have assembled here to worship you, we have committed ourselves in this time to bring glory and honor to you, to lift you up, to recognize you. And I pray, Father, that we have all been successful through these various avenues of worship in doing that. And I pray that will be true as we meditate today as one mind upon your word and I pray that your word will find its place in us. We pray for those that have experienced unexpected circumstances, death and injury and destruction from the tornadoes. We pray comfort for those who have lost loved ones. We pray for restoration to those who remain. We pray for the Taylor family as they have experienced Anticipated loss, but it is painful nonetheless. Just the idea of separation itself, but we pray your comfort upon them. And now, Father, I pray that you will bless us in this time as we are studying your word together. I pray that for all of us, that we are ready for this time, this particular time, this this one opportunity that is in our hands. And I pray, Lord, as we hear your word, as we think about the circumstances surrounding it, I pray that we can make great application of it. Help me, Lord, to communicate what I have prepared and to be able to express it in a simple and understandable way that can be received by these hearers. And Father, I pray that those who hear this word, even if I'm not, what I should be in delivering it. I pray that through the fog, even of all that, that your word will reign supreme and that it will hit the mark in every single heart. Lord, I pray if it needs to motivate us to action, that we will not delay in our action. If it needs to encourage us and to embolden us, I pray it will do that in this moment too. Thank you for every precious moment that you place into our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the time in which this text was written, it it was a tumultuous sort of time, an oppressive sort of time. The Jews were still in captivity. This time, there's a transition of power. They find themselves dominated by the Persians. That is actually a development that Daniel had prophesied. And so time is trickling on and things are falling into place. And God's people ultimately are going to find their deliverance. At least a portion of them will. But in this particular time, there is special emphasis. Artaxerxes is the ruler practically of the whole world. Some people identify him as Xerxes the I, I'm not especially interested in the historical part of all of that and identify who is who. But I am interested in what was developing because at this time in history, this particular specific time, there had been an edict given wherein all the Jews within this kingdom were to be exterminated. And here's the twist to that story. The queen, the queen is a Jew. I hear stories about Esther, as you do. I've heard stories about Esther all my life. I'm tempted when I think of Esther, apart from what I really find in this story, I'm tempted to think of her as an exemplar of the Jewish faith. One woman who stood out in the midst of certain annihilation and with great faith in God and a commitment to what is right and not even fearing her own death, stands up to the fierceness of a singular king and pitches her cause. Wow! Except... I'm, I'm not so sure that she's really that exemplar of the faith. And you read the text just a moment ago, just as I did. Mordecai is sending a message to Esther in order to encourage her to do the right thing. And he says, if you think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace more than any of these other Jews, then you're mistaken. And the mistake goes this way. If you remain completely silent, and here's what I want to emphasize, at this time then relief and deliverance for the Jews will come from another place. And then you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Emphasis again upon a time. Now let's break that down. It may be that you choose to remain silent at this time. Or... It may be that you will take up the cause. You'll stand up for what is right. You will be that one person who stands in the gap and provides the means by which deliverance will come to the people of God. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Such a time. I want to think about the time with you for a moment. The decision was about a time the decision was not about whether or not she would grow up right as an orphan. That that time was past. The decision was not about do I trust Mordecai uh, considered my cousin to, to raise me in the right way. Uh, that time has passed. Should I give in to this uh, idea that the king has now come up with? He's gotten rid of his original wife Vashti because of her moral standing. Would I subject myself to the immoral dictates of this king by putting myself basically in a beauty contest in order to determine whether not I should become queen and now that I've been chosen should I accept that should I accept all the good things that have come those decisions and those times are past and now there is a singular opportunity in time and Mordecai says in this time this singular opportunity you must make a choice Now, it might be that you're kind of thinking in your mind right now, I I think I could get by with this. I think I could escape because nobody knows that I'm a Jew. Perhaps if I can just keep a lid on that, keep quiet, let all the other Jews get exterminated, I'll be fine. I could choose to do that. Or I could choose to stand with the people of God. What, What will I do? Mordecai's asking her, what will you do? Maybe maybe you, maybe even right now, are facing a similar dilemma. Maybe you've come to a time in your life where you have to make an important decision. What are you going to do? Are you willing in your decision-making to risk everything like Esther was going to have to risk. Do you believe in the providence of God? Do you believe that God can take this decision that you're making and make it right? Do you feel emboldened by God's presence in your life that the decision you are about to make, He is going to bless and everything's going to be okay? The ultimate question that I would ask you actually takes the form of just simply two words. The question is who knows? Who knows? As you are in the midst of your decision making, I think that's an important question. At this juncture, I don't know what goes beyond, so really, really, who knows? Since maybe you don't know, I would suggest to you that one thing you should do is seize the moment that is before you. Just grab a hold of it. <laughs> now, I have, they warned me, to set this down because I keep punching the buttons. So I have heard this and I, I don't necessarily endorse this idea or not. I'm, I'm just sharing with you that a lot of people think this way. And maybe in some ways it's true. That it tends to be human nature that we will continue to do the right thing until such time as it becomes too difficult to keep doing the wrong thing. Now let that percolate for a moment. What would you just say? I said for a lot of us, we do the right thing simply because doing the wrong thing which maybe we would have chosen to do, is just too difficult to get away with. When I was, and I want to insist, Rick, for insurance purposes, that this was a long, long time ago. But when I was first introduced to my driver's license, whoo, boy, I could not wait to get behind the wheel of an automobile all by myself. And then turns out my dad, maybe because he wanted it in his driveway or whatever, bought me a little sports car. And that even made it worse. Because then when I got in that car, you know, I was Mario Andretti. I, man, I flew around Moxville like I was on fire until I got my first citation for speeding now toy I don't do that anymore (laughs) but back then way way back then I got that citation for speeding and I remember my dad oh boy you know all kinds of threats about we're gonna take car away blah 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 but finally you know, he's paying for my insurance at this point, and I'm back driving. Whoa, 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 whoa Just, man, I just love the freedom of it. I like to roll those windows. Well, rolled the windows down because it didn't have air conditioning, but still, I like to feel that wind blowing in and flying down the, lots of straight roads to go. Oh, I loved it. Until I got my second Citation. Well, to make a long story short, I eventually got three within just a few months. And that nice automobile that represented my freedom on the American roads was put in the barn. Once I got the car back and all the particulars were worked out, I decided I'm not driving that way anymore. Number one, it upsets my dad to no end. Number two, turns out now I have to pay my own insurance. <laughs> and man, I can't afford somebody driving like this. So much. I would just love toy cover your ears. I would love to get out here and just Just air that out. As they used to say, burn the carbon out of it. But I'm not going to do that. I want to. I'm not going to do that. First of all, it's wrong. It's a law. I would be breaking the law. I'd be sinning. But, But the next thing is, if I did that now, man, my insurance rates would be out the roof. A lot of people don't speed simply because it costs too much to do so. The hassle of the ticket, the, the exorbitant fees and all that. Look, we, we just can't afford that. And after you get your first or your second one, now you've got all these points in your insurance. Oh, I just, I want to go fast, but I'm not willing to pay that price anymore. That, that's what I'm talking about. It has become too, it's become too painful to do wrong, so we choose to do right our criminal justice system is set up that way. There are some people who, regardless of how you preach to them, are going to continue to do terrible things to other people. So we have law enforcement that says if you do this, if you steal from someone, if, if you attack them in some way, some kind of an assault, you are going to face a stiff penalty because of that. And many people, for no other reason, will toe the line because... It's just too painful to do the wrong thing, so they choose to do the right thing. Here is is Esther between a rock and a hard place. If she could hide her secret of being a Jew, then she'd get off scot-free. Everything would be okay, but woe is me if they ever do find out. And then secondly, you know what? I could trust what Mordecai is telling me. Mordecai says, no matter what I do, I'm going to face up to something. And so, I tell you what, I'd rather face God having done the right thing than to face Artaxerxes having done the wrong thing and having lied. And so, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing. And because I'm going to do the right thing, I'm going to ask you to do the right thing with me. She said, I'm going to fast, I'm going to weep, I'm going to mourn. All of us are going to do this together. If I have to do it, you're doing it with me. Now, I'm thinking at this point, yeah, she's doing the right thing, but probably for the wrong reason. Nevertheless, at this time, in this singular moment with this singular opportunity in her hand. Regardless of her motivations, what she is thinking in her heart, she chooses to do the right thing, even perhaps reluctantly for fear of her own life, but she does it. And ultimately, God blesses it. You know, there are actually are a lot of Bible characters who had a point in their life where eventually, because of their exploits and the decisions that they make, we look at them, we say, great examples, exemplars of the faith. These people I want to model my life after. But it started out pretty rocky. Somebody like Moses. You know, for 40 years, Moses is raised partly in Pharaoh's court and partly by his own people, but ultimately he comes to a moment of decision. He makes a decision with the people of God, but he is refused by his own people. And for 40 more years, he's out there in the wilderness tending sheep. And now that God really needs him, now here's the moment, here's the time. What are you going to do with this opportunity? A singular opportunity. Moses, I need you to go back and lead my people. No, Lord, no, it's too late for me. Besides that, I don't have the skills, I can't do it. Moses, who denied the opportunity at first, you know, ultimately took it. We think of him as the great leader of God's people, the deliverer. A man by the name of Gideon. He is so fearful of the enemy, the Midianites, that that he is taking care of grain where people in the off-season would have been tending to the grapes. I mean, here is Gideon who is as, as little and minuscule and particularly meaningless in Israel as anybody could be. But the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and refers to him as a mighty man of valor. I can imagine when the angel says that to him, Gideon's like, where? <laughs> you know, What? What? Time after time, he challenges God to prove it. Prove that I'm the one. Prove you're going to be with me like you say. Prove it. And every time God does, finally, reluctantly, not only does Gideon lead an army against the Midianites who are with practically without number, but, well, that army is made up of only 300 men. We say a great exemplar of the faith. Wow, but... Boy, he started out so reluctantly. He made a singular decision, singular opportunity. He did the right thing. didn't start that way. Jonah. Jonah is a prophet of God. When given his commission to go to the city of Nineveh, he heads in the opposite direction. We talk about the story of the great fish and all of that, but remember that reluctant prophet who went to great extremes to turn his back on the direct prophecy of God, now turns and goes into the city, even still reluctant, but preaches a message yet 40 days, and then will be destroyed, and the entire city, from the least to the greatest, repent. Wow. What a great story, but it didn't start out that way. What about Peter? Peter's great among us. We think of him as the great preacher of the gospel. Day of Pentecost. Preacher of the gospel to Cornelius. But he is the one who constantly stuck his foot in his mouth. Who is the very one who denied the Lord three different times, cursed and blasphemed in the midst of all of that denial. But we think of the redeemed Peter. We think of... Stalwart exemplar of the faith. Even the Apostle Paul, very reluctant. Jesus even said, Look, you are kicking against the goads. You're doing the very best to, to turn your back, to, to keep away from accepting the truth. But, Paul, you cannot turn your back on the inevitable. And you know, Paul becomes the great preacher of the gospel. Lots of folks, lots of folks begin with uncertainties, begin wishy-washy, not even really wanting to do the right thing. But because maybe there's no other choice, or because it seems inevitable, they choose right anyway, and God uses them for great purposes. What you and I need to do is we need to seize the moment, grab hold of it. Who knows is the question. And I say in answer to that question, maybe we we should just, as we're looking at this thing, maybe expect the unexpected. I don't really know what's going to happen here anyway, so maybe I should expect something that I've never anticipated happening. Sometimes decisions that we make are made very quickly. I mean literally, actually, in the moment. We have to choose now or else. A student that has worked on a project, been studying his assignments, doing his homework over the course of an entire semester has just spent all of his time now this weekend preparing for a great exam. And boy, the whole course rests on it and feels very confident. Study, study, study. Probably studied more than he's ever studied before. Spends all night doing so. And now, here we are, Monday morning, we're in class, we get the exam, the exam's right there. I know every answer, I know I do. I've studied everything, backwards and forwards. But now as I look at that exam, a blank comes over my mind. I can't even hardly think of how to write my name on the top of the paper. I have a mental block, all this fog. Now in this panic... I can decide to do one of a couple of things. I can wait, relax, take a deep breath, rebuild my confidence, know that I've studied this, I'm good, I've got this, and then write my name down and resume the test. More often than not, just settling down, refocusing. That's going to take care of everything. Just had a mental block. For others, in their panic, even though they've spent this whole semester working on projects, studying, spent all weekend studying, everything rests on this, I'm ready. But because of a, a singular moment, a moment, of, a moment of panic, they decide to cheat. Or how about this? You've been paying taxes all year. I remember the first time I got a paycheck and I saw how much was required out of my paycheck for taxes. I just, I, I, I was sick. You? I mean, I look at that and I'm like, why in the world? Why does the government deserve so much of my hard-earned money? It just it was so frustrating. But paycheck after paycheck after paycheck, money is withdrawn and finally, oh, finally... I'm going to fill out my tax return and, you know, all my friends are getting money back. So you, finally, you wait as long as you can and finally you get the forms and you sit down and you start filling them out and, boy, it's, it's really looking good. Look, uh, honey, how's it going? Oh, Look here, so far. We're in the plot. We're going to get, honey, we're going to get some money back. It's looking great. And then you get down to that one section where whether you check that box or not, will make the difference between whether you get that money that you thought you were getting to this point or whether all of a sudden it's going to be a negative. Right there at that moment, there's your moment. How are you going to choose? Are you going to choose right? Or are you going to choose to cheat on your taxes? Guy's been working Many, many years he has climbed up the ladder of success in his business. And now the company trusts him so much that they send him here and there on these lavish expense paid business trips. And he goes, and all oh, the family is so proud of him. You're doing you're just making us proud. You're doing great. Look at how you're doing. Wow, you're recognized for all that. But there at the restaurant catches the eye of some. Beautiful lady across the room. He doesn't think anything about it except now she's sitting across from him. How will you choose now? Will you choose that family that is so proud of you? Will you choose to say no to that woman who wants to spend the night with you? Will you choose right or will you cheat? There have been a lot of moments in the scriptures where somebody just had, just had that one opportunity to do the right thing. How did they choose? A man by the name of Pilate. I do not have any idea how any of these guys got to the position that they got to, but Pilate is the man To make the decision as to whether Jesus is going to be crucified or not. It is in his hands. In John chapter 18 and verse 38, he asks this. Question. Now think how inappropriate this question is. Jesus Christ is absolute truth. He is the representation of truth from before the foundation of the world. He is the Word of God. He is all knowledge personified. And here's what Pilate asks. What is truth? I don't know about you. He wasn't really looking for an answer as he moves on in condemnation of Jesus. Sorry, Pilate. You had that great moment and you missed it. There was this guy in Acts chapter 24 and verse 25 by the name of Felix. He's a governor. And again, I don't know how how it is that he came by that. You could look up his history if you like, but there he is. He is in a powerful position. And now he is in audience with, I don't know, we could take a survey, I guess, but most would say Paul, the greatest apostle to ever walk the face of the earth. Peter and others, hey, great what you did, but look what Paul was able to accomplish by himself with the help of agents of his to take the gospel to the Gentile world. Wow, Paul, great apostle. So here is Felix and here is Paul, but the text says that Felix was afraid. And he says, hey, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. That time never came, as far as I know. Think about that. When it's more convenient. <laughs> what, what, what is more convenient than right now? He missed it. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 28, King Agrippa. King Agrippa is again here with this great apostle Paul. Wow, amazing! Agrippa's got issues. Agrippa has committed terrible sin, and yet they're talking about righteousness and justice. I mean, he is right there. Now is the time, the time to make some changes, the time to recognize God in your life. Here's what he says to Paul Almost. You persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. You know what King Agrippa did? King Agrippa, he missed it. We were talking about Paul a moment ago. You know, got all kinds of problems, kind of in denial at first. Meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. Now he's going to become the great apostle. Was that an easy transition? It was not. 1 Timothy chapter one, beginning verse 12, says, "I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, because He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. Paul says, use me. Use me as an example of somebody who is absolutely the chief of sinners. My life was the worst, but Jesus showed mercy on me and I continue now as an apostle of Jesus Christ only by the grace of God itself. Not only should you seize the moment, but when those moments come, expect that something unexpected is going to happen. And then when that time, when that moment falls into your hand, redeem it. Who knows? Well, I don't really know, but I know this. You better redeem it when it comes. So there are some decisions that you make on the spur of the moment, very quickly. Some decisions you take time to make. You take time to make a decision about your lifelong profession. You go to school. You maybe go into an apprenticeship. If you grew up on the farm, you learn how to do it from your youth. Expectations are laid upon you. You're ready. And you commit your whole life to it. You spend a whole lifetime preparing for it. Sometimes you do that with regard to marriage. That's going to be one of the big decisions that you make in your life. How careful will you be about choosing a spouse? Because you are committed to spending the rest of your life with them. And there are responsibilities on the part of the man and the woman in that relationship. That is a big decision. I read about a man who when he was young, decided he was going to be a missionary. Was, you, you didn't even need to talk to him about being an astronaut or a doctor or anything like that. He would already decided as a youth, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go preach the gospel to the farthest reaches of the world. And as he grew up, he continued telling people, anybody that would listen, he did everything he could to prepare himself. He even went to a Christian college A college that was noted for its production of great missionaries to go out into all the world. He took every program that he could in order to prepare himself as a missionary. But while he was there, he met the love of his life. We are soul mates. Whatever that means. But she did not want to be a missionary's wife. So they got married and he did not become a missionary. He chose another route. Now listen, I'm not saying he chose wrong. I'm not his judge. But I am saying that we make preparation. We spend a lot of time making decisions about big things in our lives only to change for some reason. We we get distracted or we choose something different. Hey, that's okay. But I'm telling you that there is one decision, not not your profession, not even your marriage, but there is one decision. Oh, I'm sorry. There is one decision that you are going to make that matters. And that is the decision whether or not you're going to be a Christian. Either whether you're going to become a Christian or whether you're going to act like a Christian, live the life of a Christian. Those are two important decisions you make all the time. You have an opportunity to make. Making the decision to be a Christian, that that is a tough decision. We need to spend some time thinking about it. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He desires to save his life for and Who loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, loses his soul to destruction? Luke says, what about that? If I become a Christian, that's going to require a lot of me. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 33, he goes on to say that whoever does not deny all or forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So things can't get in the way of my Christian walk either. If I'm going to be a child of God, I've got to make a decision and be committed to that decision. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 22, there's a story there given about a rich young ruler, we call him, who comes to Jesus, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And they go over the rules, you know, are you keeping the law of Moses? Yeah, I've been doing it from my youth. Jesus is like, I can just imagine, and I don't know if this happened or not, I'm just telling you what I imagine in my mind. I imagine Jesus putting his arm around that guy, just patting him, like, that, wow, that is great. Then I guess all that you have to do now is sell all that you have, give it to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. The text says that that guy, he went away. He had great possessions. Sorrowful over the prospect of losing it all. But if you're going to be a child of God making a commitment to Jesus, it requires all that you are and all that you have. But child of God, you've made that decision already. That is a continuing effect. It still requires all that you are and all that you have. So I'm thinking about Esther. Esther in that moment chose to risk everything in order for God to prevail in this situation for the people of Israel to continue on. And we think of her as an exemplar in the faith. Hey, that's great. Peace. Wonderful. But what about you? What about you in this moment right here? In this time? Who knows whether you've come to the kingdom? whether you've come to this place, whether you've come to this decision for such a time as this, this time, this moment. If you are a child of God and you've not been walking in the light, now's the time to make that right. Now's the time to make that correction. Who knows whether you've come to this place here today For such a time as this, a singular opportunity right here in your hand. Step out that aisle, come forward. We pray with you. All is made right. You go home rejoicing. Yes! If you are not a child of God today, who knows? Maybe you've been debating this in your mind forever. When should I obey the gospel? When should I do it? When should I do it? Maybe you've begun to psych yourself out. Now you you don't even see yourself acting. Today is the day. Who knows whether you've come to the kingdom, to this place, to this opportunity for such a time as this. This is your time. How will you use it? Why don't you come while we stand and sing together?
5: We have a lot of men like Jordan here that have that talent to lead that part of worship. We appreciate you. If anyone needs the emblem for the Lord's Supper, please raise your hand and usher. We'll be around to provide you one. As we prepare hearts and minds, uh, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 32, and this is after Jesus and his disciples have partaken of the first Lord's Supper. It reads, then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and horrified. And he said to them, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death, remain here and stay awake. Then he went a little farther, fell to the ground, and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Every single one of us in here, since we were here last Sunday has felt distressed, has felt fear, has felt anxiety. We serve a Lord that knows exactly how we feel. And he gave us a great example that in those moments, we have to seek the Father and to seek his will. We are never alone. And let's remember that today as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made, but let's especially remember that tomorrow morning as we go out into the world to seek God's will. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this bread which represents the body of your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for all of us. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's bow. Likewise, Father, we thank you for this cup, which represents the blood of your son, Jesus, and what he did for each and every one of us on the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
6: so much for all the Greeks The family as we know it today is under tremendous assault. We know that every family situation finds itself in chaos and dysfunction, and Satan's very effective in what he's doing in destroying the family as God would have it. For that reason, on April the 29th and 30th, we're going to have a very special event here at the Boonville Church of Christ. Dr. Sam Jones is going to be here on this occasion on Saturday and Sunday, and he's going to deal with the theme of strengthening families to face a changing and dangerous world. All we have to do is just take a look, and it doesn't take long at all to see what's going on all around us. Don't we want our families to be strengthened? Don't we want our families to to be fortified to deal with these things that are going on in our culture. We love our children, our grandchildren. We are concerned about their future. And at the very least, we can protect our own family. And so on Saturday, April the 29th, Dr. Sam Jones, who is a professor of Bible studies and Sociology, sociology, you wouldn't find a more qualified speaker than Dr. Sam Jones. On Saturday, he's going to deal with three lessons. The first one is the dangers of addiction, pornography, drugs, alcohol. The second lesson he's going to deal with is the dangers of homosexuality and gender identity. And then the last lesson on Saturday afternoon will be something that I believe is very, very important as well, the dangers of anxiety, depression, and suicide. And then of course, on Sunday morning for our 9.30 service, uh, Dr. Sam Jones will be speaking to us about empowering families to face a changing and dangerous world. And, of course, we're going to have lunch together on that Sunday, a congregational luncheon following our morning service. We'll also have lunch provided for everyone on Saturday. Now, the question is, how are we going to get people in this building? How can we have an assembly this size on Saturday? Well, it's up to you. It's up to you. Who are you going to invite? There are advertisements available in the foyer. Social media, if you would use your social media alone to to invite people to come, to, to let people know about this event, we really could fill five buildings like this for those that have such needs in our community. We need this ourselves, but there are people around us every single day that we see that are hurting, that are dealing with these kinds of pressures. And, folks, we have an answer to some of their problems. We can help if we will invite them to come. So that decision is yours, and I hope you'll take advantage of this. We have five weeks to let people know in our community what we're having and how much we want them to attend. We need to work as as if everything depends on us and pray. Pray as if everything depends on God.
1: Everybody knows how busy this season is. Last Leaders Convention is two weeks away. And the reason why I'm up here is I hated to ask Randy to say all what I'm about to say, but uh, we will be going to Iuca tonight, those who are giving... Uh, you have an opportunity if you want to do a Bible reading or a song or a speech tonight's the night to do that for the Lord at IUCA. So the bus will be leaving at 4.15 because services start there at 5 o'clock. And uh, Drew and I will be, if you don't mind, if you're planning to go tonight, we have a list. Uh, but we would like to make sure uh, that that list is accurate. So if you plan to go tonight, would you let Drew or myself uh, know that? I know we have a busy next little bit that guy's going to tell us about. But during that time, we'll be around and let us know. Next week, we'll be doing it at Boonville, which we're excited about that. And I have one request for every single person in here. If you don't mind, would you say a prayer today for these young men as they try to serve the Lord? Thank you.
5: I really wanted to bat cleanup in this lineup, but Randy Moore is a home run hitter, so I'm gonna bat third. Uh, we are having our Easter egg hunt this morning. We're excited about that. Uh, there is thousands of eggs out in the front. We are going to make one slight change to it this year, so parents please pay attention. Uh, when Brother Randy says the closing prayer, we're going to do what we normally do. We're going to come down. We're going to take our uh, picture that we take each year of all of our kids. Uh, One request I did have this morning, uh, Lottie really wants to hold a baby in the picture. So if you guys have a baby that you could hand Lottie for the picture, that would be great. And then, one thing we've had the last couple of years, uh, we always do the babies through four-year-olds go this way, that side. We're still doing that, but we're going to give you little guys a head start. We're going to give you guys about a five-minute head start and... Brother Doug is going to keep the five-year-olds through sixth grade for about five minutes and do a couple of kids sing songs while the little ones can have it all to themselves. And then we will release the big kids and that's how the egg hunt will proceed. But as soon as Brother Randy is done with the closing prayer, everyone please come down for the picture and we'll probably have to move some stuff. Uh, So we'll need some help there. Thanks Ben. Saw you raising your hand. And uh Dads, granddads, uncles, the egg hunt is in the front of the church so we will need some of you to form a wall by the highway. Sometimes kids get real excited and we do not have a wall there so please form a human wall so one runs out in the road. Thank you.
7: Good morning and welcome to the Boonville Church of Christ on this beautiful Sunday morning. March the 26, 2023. Thank you so much for being here. We have several visitors with us. Thank you for being here this morning. Please come back and worship with us every chance you get. We had 324 in services this morning, and I have just a few announcements here. Uh, we need to remember Lynn Barragona and Joey Pittman, who are recovering from recent surgeries, as well as Luther Mormon, who is recovering from a recent fall. And the Golden Circle will be going to launch at Earl's Grill in Crump, Tennessee tomorrow. The bus will leave at 9.30. So if you're wanting to go to Earl's Grill and have a great meal, there's a sign-up sheet in, back there in the foyer. Please sign your name. And today, between 2 and 4 p.m., there's gonna be a housewarming shower that is gonna, it's a money and gift card housewarming shower in honor of Brian and Lexi Johnson. And that is this afternoon between 2 and 4 p.m. in the annex. Um, We're collecting items for the Boonville Middle School Food Pantry during the month of March. There is a list of needed items on the table in the foyer in the back. There are half sheets of paper that's got all the different things that they're wanting. If you'll pick you up on those, if you can help out with this, it'd be great. And just bring those items, and there are boxes in the back by the foyer there where you will put these items. And that is all the announcements I have this morning. Would you please stand for our closing prayer? Our dear most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord we do once again thank you for this wonderful day you've given us and the opportunity that we've had to come out and worship you and study your word once again. Lord, we pray that what we've learned may we apply it to our lives and may as a result we better serve you. Thank you most of all Lord for your son Jesus who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.